Welcome to the eLaborate Topics Podcast, where we focus on lab-specific strategies for medical laboratory professionals. We're proud to be the healthcare detectives that work behind the scenes to get the results needed to influence medical decisions. Let's grow together and jump right into the lab. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of eLaborate Topics. I'm your host for today's show, Stephanie Whitehead. For those of you tuning in for the first time, I'm your podcasting executive laboratory leader and co-host for the Elaborate Topics podcast. The Elaborate, Elaborate Topics podcast is a weekly podcast where myself and my co-hosts, Tywana Wilson and Lona Small, have been bringing you topics related to the laboratory and leadership to help you excel inside and outside the laboratory. And today I'm very excited for today's show because we have a very special guest, Ms. Donna Marquez. Thank you for Hi, joining thank me. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Stephanie. No problem. I'm excited for our talk today. Donna is, uh, has tw- more than 25 years of laboratory experience, and she currently is working as a vice president of laboratory and imaging services at LifeBridge uh, in, Bar- in the Baltimore, Maryland area. Is that correct? Yes, that is. Okay. So, Donna, why don't you give our listeners a little bit about yourself, tell them maybe why you chose the profession, a little bit about your laboratory journey, and maybe even your favorite part of being a laboratory, uh, laboratory technician. So, um, funny enough, Stephanie, I always thought when I was in high school that I would be a nurse, and I volunteered, if, if I'm, I'm going to date myself, but I volunteered as a candy striper in a local hospital, and I soon found out that that was not really – Um, the best fit for me, Um, but I had the experience of being able to take specimens down to the laboratory, and that was where I first got my first uh, visual of the laboratory, and in my conversations with folks that worked in the lab, I learned that I could actually get a degree in medical laboratory sciences. So I did that, and um, soon after graduation, I found that I very much loved the blood bank, and I was often put in the blood bank as one of the generalists that enjoyed being in there and decided that that was really my passion. So um, after working as an MLS for a few years, I did go on to get my SBB certification, and I started in my first leadership role in the blood bank. And that role um, was in one hospital um, that eventually uh, became the first hospital in the LifeBridge Health System, and I found myself with an opportunity to become a manager, and I did that. And as I became a manager, I recognized that I wanted to um, spruce up some of my leadership skills, so I eventually sat for my DLM exam, which was a diplomat in laboratory management. And I continued um, my journey there, very much interested in laboratory leadership. I had an opportunity, uh, unexpected opportunity, I should say, to become a um, director and a system director as our um, system had several other hospitals joining at the time. I think when I first became a director, there were three hospitals. So that was really an opportunity to me to really recognize the areas where I wasn't proficient. I had a lot of work ahead of me to learn Um, the ins and outs of anatomic pathology and cytology and some of the lab areas that I really wasn't familiar with. But I found that really exciting. And, you know, being very process-oriented laboratorians, there's a lot of those skills that we can take and apply to those other areas. So that was really um, a good fit for me. Um, I love challenges, so I love learning about those other areas. Um, We were looking for ways to become more efficient across our system and improve our productivity and really put together a strategic plan. And through that work 
Um, I was exposed to leaders in other areas of the organization that eventually led to some interim leadership roles outside of the laboratory. And then I really, um, you know, set a personal and professional goal for myself to um, move myself up into the executive team and really um, put a presence of laboratorians in or the executive team at my institution. So I was very, very excited to be promoted to um, vice president over laboratory services and then just starting my journey to now learn imaging. So the radiology area is very new to me as well. It has very um, uh, select components within radiology just like the laboratory does. So I have to learn CAT scan and MRI and diagnostics and things like that. So very, very exciting. Um, along that, that journey, I also made sure that I, I expanded my own education. So it's very important to recognize what we don't know as well as be proud of what we do know. And I recognized that I wanted to um, have some additional leadership skills in um, communication with adults and various learning styles. I was teaching at the university level at the time, so I got my master's degree in instructional systems design and spent a lot of time doing teaching and developing online training programs, et cetera. And currently, I'm in my um, finishing, finished my second year of law school, and I will be starting my third and final year of law school um, this May, where I will graduate um, next June of 2022. So very, very excited about that. Just an uh, you know, overall um, view sort of of my career, but how these various skills that I learned as a laboratorian allowed me to expand into some other interests and passions that I have. Thank you. And Donna, you mentioned some words that I think are going to be very pivotal and important to the conversation we're about to have. As you were talking about your journey in your laboratory and career and your profession, you mentioned the words like exposure and presence and how those were important to expansion of your um, education and your promotions throughout the years. And today we'll be talking about for our listeners, uh, tips on increasing your professional visibility. And so for laboratorians, a lot of times we're referred to as the behind-the-scenes heroes. And you may not, mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis for our listeners, think about how visible you are to either your coworkers, your patients, or your leaders around you. But that's actually very important, especially when you talk about growth and your career. Some of you listening may um, be able to think about in your head, you know, a few people in your organization that just everybody knows their name. When you mention their name, everybody knows that person or everybody can um, – pick out something that person has done and why is it? Why are they more visible than others? And so we want to talk to you guys about the importance of being cognizant of how visible you are in your professional and personal life and maybe tips to increase that if that's what you'd like to do and how that can benefit you in, in your growth and in your career. So Donna, because you've had such an incredible experience and you have so many um, great things underneath your belt uh, escalating you all the way up to vice president, why do you think understanding your own professional visibility is so important, and what are some tips that you can give to our listeners to increase their, their professional visibility, especially in the field of laboratory, like I said, where we're considered kind of the behind-the-scenes heroes? Sure. Um, so there's really um, the first tip I would absolutely give any um, person working in the field of lab medicine, regardless of their years of experience, is to really align themselves with a professional organization that speaks to their personal interests. 
Um, we often right. as laboratorians are not as active in our professional organizations as other healthcare careers are, like nursing. And there are so many professional organizations to choose from depending on your interests. And I think that sometimes we forget about some of the benefits of belonging to a professional organization. So I do have a handful of those organizations I'd like to um, speak to the listeners just about a little bit because I think that some of them um, might spark some interest in folks that are a little bit out of um, the ordinary, perhaps. And one of them is particularly um, certifications and exams. So if you happen to be a laboratory professional that's very interested in advanced certifications or um, who writes those questions when we go to take those certification exams, I would say to consider um, the American Society for Clinical Pathology, ASCP.org. So this is a very well-known organization. Many of us have certifications, but we may not pay our dues and we may not be members. There's another one called American Medical Technologists, which is AmericanMedTech.org. Both of these organizations have great benefits, such as online continuing ed, additional certification options, but there's also some really wonderful volunteer opportunities that I don't think a lot of laboratory professionals are aware of. There are things such as member councils, social media teams, and even exam review committees for the various certification exams. But that's just one example. Let's say your interest is in quality or performance improvement, Six Sigma. There's an organization called the American Society for Quality. They are ASQ.org. They have certification options that increase your visibility, things like training, networking opportunities. They even have a career center, and their career center specifically focuses on jobs that are centered around quality. So if that's your interest, that's a great organization to align yourself with. There's another one focused around laboratory standards. Um, that organization is the Clinical Laboratory Standards Institute, CLSI.org also the American Society for Clinical Laboratory Sciences, ASCLS.org. Both of these organizations have continuing ed programs. CLSI specifically has volunteer positions where they need help developing and reviewing the exact laboratory standards that we are all held accountable to. And sometimes when we just need to get a little bit out of that day-to-day -day grind of rules and regulations and performance improvement, you just need something fun, a fun virtual event that you can enjoy with your coworkers and network with laboratory professionals across the nation. I would say give the Lab Week run a try. This is a virtual race. It's a 5K. You don't have to be a runner. You can be a walker. You can walk your dog, enjoy some time outside. It's one of the few things that we can really get out and enjoy right now. It's sponsored by ASCLS. So when you participate, your money is going right back to an organization that supports laboratory. And you can collect their laboratory-themed race medals. They're fantastic. The only place you'll find something with such a unique item focused on the lab. And then finally, I would say there are also a, a, a part of us that are interested in accreditation of our medical laboratory science programs. If that is something that interests one of our listeners, I would direct them to the National Accrediting Agency for Clinical Laboratory Science. That's NACL.org. Our interaction and participation with students right now is vital to the longevity of our profession. It really increases the visibility not only for ourselves, but for future laboratorians. And they are always looking for volunteers to serve as mentors, whether it's through a didactic, teaching a lecture, or offering a clinical rotation. 
But I think that the most critical piece I would really want to emphasize as a tip is that all of these organizations are out there for us to choose from. We can align them with our interests, but it's really, really critical that we remember that we are the laboratory professionals that are developing these pieces of work. We are the voice for our profession. When we look at these laboratory and quality standards, when we look at the questions that are on our exams that are certifying us, when we look at the routes of who is eligible to take an exam, all of this is written and revised by laboratory professionals. So you might wonder, who's doing that? Who's writing that test that I just took? It's laboratory professionals. So these are great opportunities for us to have our voice to make sure that we are certifying people appropriately, asking the right questions, developing the right standards. And it's important that we do that because we, as laboratory professionals and you as the listeners, you have the knowledge, the skills, and the ability to increase your own visibility, but also influence the future direction of the medical laboratory science program. That's very good. And I think, you know, like you said, I totally agree. Some of the things that we may forget as laboratorians as we continue to go um, through our journey and we work day to day in the laboratory is the importance of our voice and the importance of being heard mm -hmm. and basically understanding that, you know, just like everything else in your life, your voice is important and, you know, you can't be a part of the problem, you have to be part of the solution. And you, to do that, you have to, you know, make yourself involved um, in these things. Absolutely. Many Absolutely. of our laboratory professionals listening may be patient-facing and have direct patient duties. So what tips would you give those listeners to increase their visibility? We know that there are several types of visibility. There's our own professional visibility. There's the visibility we have with our patients. And like I mentioned before, there's a visibility we have with our leadership and, the, and our coworkers and our colleagues and those around us. And I think we'll get to that in a, in a moment. But what would you say about our patient um, uh, structure and how we are visible with them? So I think it's really interesting how the laboratorians' um, visibility has really increased in recent years, and particularly this last year with COVID. We've always had some positions that are forward-facing, even though traditionally the majority of our laboratory positions are not patient-facing. And let's be honest, that's the reason why a lot of us chose to go into this profession. But Me, one of them. Absolutely, and, and myself as well. Um, there's several things, and even some really new creative opportunities, I think, that came out of the COVID-19 pandemic. So, you know, if we look at phlebotomists, phlebotomists have always been patient-facing. We know that they are the experts in properly identifying the patient, collecting acceptable specimens for laboratory analysis. Um, but now let's look at how cytotechs have changed. Cytotechs, they spend a lot of time now in the OR or the interventional radiology suite. They're assessing the cellular adequacy. They're working right alongside the patient and the physician. We have point-of-care testing. Those specialists, they maintain the equipment and supplies. They're in the nursing areas. They're working with nursing. They may be providing nursing education and training. Um, today, they may find themselves doing COVID testing inside of a tent or assisting a physician's office. So this, we're really starting to sort of change um, the face of our profession with these opportunities. And I think what's really important to recognize that these are all experiences that can turn into opportunities where we educate other caregivers on our important piece that we pet play in the patient care team. 
And we have to recognize that it probably makes all of us, myself included, a little bit uncomfortable if we went into this field thinking we wouldn't have a lot of patient contact. Um, but it is really an opportunity when, on the other hand, we're struggling to make sure people know, hey, we're here, we're in the lab, we're the folks that are putting out those results that are allowing you to be diagnosed and treated. So I think of even our very basic interactions when we're in the hallways, um, answering questions and offering directions. And this might be sort of a, a more visible thing for me because I'm in a, a very busy hallway normally when, when we have a lot of visitors. I'm in a very busy hallway and I'm, I'm often like a traffic cop. You know, everyone stops outside my office and wants to know how to get to um, the, the orthopedic unit that's just down the very long hallway. And so, you know, we have to think about how do we answer those people. And I think, you know, we focus very much on what we are trained properly to do, patient identification, clear documentation, specimen collection. But it's important that we look at other opportunities as a way to introduce ourselves in a manner that instills confidence. So when we find ourselves in that slightly awkward, you know, position with that patient that needs directions or is struggling to walk or um, is very upset because of an interaction maybe that they just had or maybe they just got very bad news, are we the person that shies away or answers, you know, I'm just from the lab, I'm just from the lab, um, and we're avoiding the situation, or are we the person who is there providing assistance, introducing ourselves? So I want to make sure myself that I role model that. I'm not someone generally who does avoid the situation. I don't look in the other direction, but it does come with with practice and you have to make yourself be comfortable with being a little bit uncomfortable. So I want to make sure when I'm there, I'm Donna Marquess. I'm vice president of the laboratory. How can I help you today? And I think it's really important that we all get very comfortable with sort of stepping into those situations, even when we don't have all the answers, introducing ourselves confidently, stating that we're from the lab and taking those first steps to help resolve that problem. And I don't think there has ever been a time where um, us doing those steps have been more important, especially these times in COVID, where there is a highlighted focus on the laboratory professional's position and assistance to the relief of the pandemic. You know, there's been so much focus nationally and locally on uh, laboratorians, what they do behind the scenes, and how pivotal we've been to, you know, mm -hmm. the response of the whole nation from COVID testing. And so it, there's, to me, no better time to take this as an opportunity to confidently step out in front of the patients and help them understand exactly what it is we do and how important our, our profession is, um, not only at this time of a pandemic, but when there was Zika, when there was Ebola, when there was HIV, when there was hepatitis, mm -hmm. or just on a normal day when you, you know, come to the laboratory and you are getting your regular diabetes screen or you're pregnant, you know, we, mm -hmm. we touch so many different facets of the healthcare team and the healthcare system um, that I think now is a time when there's this focus of people wondering, you know, how, why is my COVID test taking so long or what, what is the impact of the lack of supplies on this pandemic to help them really understand how vitally important we are? Um, laboratory... Mm -hmm. uh, laboratory professionals, as I was just saying, is only one part of the healthcare team. And uh, this last piece of your personal and professional visibility is, is a piece that I have found 
uh, over the past year and a half where we have been working with our teams, uh, our clinical team, our doctor team, our nursing team, our pharmacists to, you know, combat COVID-19. I found this uh, aspect of visibility really, you know, most vital to my job role, but it's our visibility with our clinical, our clinical management team, our colleagues, those that we work with every day, our clinical members, doctors, physicians, like I said. And so, to properly care for a patient, it takes an entire clinical management team. So for you, Donna, what are some tips to the listener on how they can increase their visibility amongst their clinical team members and leaders in the organization? Sometimes, you know, laboratorians, we're, we're actually just picking up the phone <laughs> and talking to uh-huh. people over the phone, maybe giving critical values or talking about why we need to cancel a specimen. It's, it's you know, QNS, quantity not sufficient, or we need to recollect. But those are times when we can really connect with nursing and even use those as opportunity for education if we need to. So talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit. Sure. Well, you're correct. Um, there has never been more a better time or more opportunities to um, interact, I think, with other members of the care team and increase our visibility in the lab than during this COVID pandemic because more um, folks in our community and more people that are patients and our family members are aware of the importance of laboratory than ever before. So there's no time like the present. This last year has really been filled with a lot of opportunities. And so I think when we look at some of the things that are already existing in our facility, there are opportunities today. Um, And if you don't have these various items, there's opportunities to go to leadership and think about how you would implement them. Um, Many institutions right now have daily huddles. Um, I know in LifeBridge we particularly are also having daily safety huddles, and I know that that's true with many of um, the institutions where um, I network with colleagues. Daily safety huddles in the face of COVID, um, a great opportunity for laboratorians to talk to their supervisor or manager if they would like to be the person to report out the daily huddle. Um, It's a simple process. If you attend a huddle for a couple of days, you get very familiar with the process. They're very quick, short, concise report out. If someone that is new to public speaking or slightly uncomfortable with that, that's a great way to get started increasing their visibility. Um, you can lead the daily huddle within your own department. So where you might be more comfortable or more familiar with the information being presented, you might be more comfortable presenting those daily updates within your own team before you step out perhaps and do that with another physician or nurse. So there's always leading the daily huddle within your own department. I think in terms of COVID, there's some really unique opportunities. Um, For LifeBridge Health, when we first heard about COVID and the state's needs for us in Maryland, one of the very first things hospitals were asked, asked to do was to put up specimen collection tents for COVID. LifeBridge Health, we put up the first ones in Maryland, number one and number two. We were very, very proud of that, but there was no playbook figured it out as we went along, and to great credit to the laboratory and nursing and and facilities and all of the departments that pulled together, and we just made it happen. Um, But there were opportunities to um, move the specimens, to provide supplies, to um, help them evaluate the multiple um, venues of of point-of-care testing that were coming out from various vendors, very confusing, things being very rapidly approved. They needed a laboratorian's perspective. And we're sort, we sort of did that all again when the vaccine was approved because we had the same need for rapid vaccination. And so let's figure out what this process is going to look like. And while a lot of that, I think, fell on the pharmacy, we had the, 
sort of the process-oriented mindset of what the laboratorians and the providers did with the tents to sort of feed off of when we wanted to put those vaccine clinics together. So there were a lot of opportunities for laboratory to help out with that. And that was really one of the areas where I think we got to shine. Um, we knew there was a need for collection tents. We just said yes, and we just figured it out. Each day we tweaked it with what worked well and what didn't work the day before. And we just figured it out um, as we went along. There wasn't a procedure. Um, I remember saying to the team a couple of times, if you're feeling slightly uncomfortable, that's okay. We all are. <laughs> we're going to just figure this out as we go along, and we're going to be there for the patients, and we'll improve it as we see, you know, some opportunities. But I think it's really important also for folks when they think about how to engage more with the healthcare team, again, keep going back to your personal interests. I feel very strongly that people should love their work. And if there's a personal interest that you have and that leads to an opportunity to work with another department, that's something that's going to fulfill you, keep you interested, make you happy at work. Um, so there are a lot of people, for instance, that love mining through data. I might not be one of those people, but a lot of people love mining through data. So I would say to those folks, volunteer to work with IT. There's a lot of IT projects, data projects, quality monitors, internal auditing. Um, I'm very cognizant when I'm assigning projects to folks to try to match them up to someone that they might be the best fit with. We really don't want to give something to someone that's going to make them miserable. Um, everyone has different interests, and we want them to be passionate and feel good about the work that they're doing. Um, I think there's another group of people that really um, enjoy customer service or personally want to enhance their own customer service skills. Those folks would be great in leadership rounding. When you're rounding with leadership, talking to nursing managers, talking to physicians, perhaps talking to patients, that's a great opportunity to improve your own customer service skills and to also take your very best from the lab, your very best folks that can communicate, um, be proud of their work to communicate that out to the caregivers on the floors. Because we recognize as leaders we can't own all of this work, and delegating really provides some great opportunities to um, our frontline laboratorians. And there are most definitely folks in the lab who love technical and analytical challenges. Those laboratorians are fantastic at assisting with equipment validations, linearity studies, um, analyzer selections. If you're going to bring in a group of analyzers to demo and make a recommendation, and then take that recommendation back to a physician group to say, hey, um, you know, perhaps we're going to move from uh, troponin to high-sensitivity troponin. And there are various analytes and reference ranges we want to review with you uh, and make sure that what you're implementing in the lab is a great fit on the test menu for what the providers will need to take care of the patient. Those are great opportunities. But I think it's really important to have this type of visibility in order to change the perception of our profession. You know, as you mentioned earlier, Stephanie, for years we've been described as behind the scenes. Those words just go with laboratory professionals. Um, and, and frankly, that's why many of us entered this profession. So we recognize that. But at the same time, I don't think a day goes by that I don't hear from someone about the concern that medical laboratory professionals are not recognized in the same way as nursing. And so it's really the responsibility of each of us to change that perception. Um, nursing has numbers that we don't have in the medical laboratory profession, so it almost is a, is a need for our voices and our visibility to be even stronger. And so the more opportunities that we can seize to demonstrate these skills, 
our customer service skills, our communication skills, our problem-solving skills, our analytical skills, the more that we as a group can move the needle at really changing the perception of medical laboratory professionals. You know, um, I had never – actually, thank you for that. I was telling Donna before we started this interview that, you know, just from knowing her for such a short amount of time, I've already learned so much. But I actually had never thought about the behind-the-scenes comment in that way. You know, the behind-the-scenes uh, title or, I guess, nickname or, or however you want to say it, um, that, that is associated with being a laboratory professional is something that sometimes we wear as a badge of honor. I mean, I know it's been the theme mm-hmm. of, a cu- of a couple of different lab weeks. You see the, the heroes with the lab coat and the behind-the-scene heroes. Um, but the irony in being proud of being behind the scenes but also feeling this need, this, this incredible need to be out front so we can better the quality of what we do, needing to be in front of nursing to talk about how we can better the quality of the, pre, the specimen from a pre-analytical aspect or, you know, needing to work with IT so we can better the quality of the reports that go out to the doctor um, and, you know, really that that internal struggle of wanting to be behind the scenes but needing to have visibility, you know, that's very interesting. I had, I had actually never thought about how, how ironic that is. It's almost an oxymoron. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. So for the listeners or the lab professionals that might get forward at this podcast and say, well, I'm just a lab tech, I'm just a phlebotomist, I'm just a histotech, We've, we've given a lot of information. We've given them a lot of golden pieces of uh, tips on how to increase your visibility, how to become more involved in not only your profession but in your organization with your patients. And so in summary, Donna, what are just the overall benefits of everything that we've talked about today? Well, Stephanie, I think there are so, so many benefits. And, um, you know, some of the obvious probably ones are more – potentially job opportunities. As you expand your own um, experience, you expand your own personal resume, that may lead to additional job opportunities depending on your your desired path. Um, So I think that's probably one of the more obvious ones. You know, one of the things I've always found interesting over my career, and it has certainly been true with, with myself, is that a lot of leaders will share stories of how they ended up in a certain spot and it was often not expected or planned. It was just an opportunity that arose after becoming involved in something new. People started to know your name. They saw your work. Your name popped in their head when a new opportunity came up. And, and they'll say, you know, I was really surprised when I was asked to do blank. Um, and I think increasing your visibility through participation in projects, through memberships and professional groups, it really allows you to network with others in related professions and you get that increased exposure, Um, it can lead to a new opportunity. It may be within the four walls of the laboratory, but it might be an opportunity in an area that works closely with the lab. Maybe it's laboratory information systems. Maybe it's infection prevention and control. Maybe it's quality or risk management. Um, I know for myself that really some of the strongest networks that I built, they came from my increased visibility when I accepted some interim leadership roles in other departments that had nothing to do with the laboratory. And I remember when my boss um, came to me and she said, I have an opening in the health information management department, which a lot of you might know as medical records. That's what it was called um, 
back in the day, it's HIM now. Um, and she said, I need someone to cover as an interim director there for maybe three to six months while I recruit someone. And I thought, wow, you're asking me? <laughs> you know, that was my first response. And then I thought, when I remember sort of marinating on it over a day, and then I thought, wow, you know, you're asking me. That's great. You know, you have the confidence in me that I can, at the bare minimum, hold this team together, but hopefully I can move the team forward in a few months, improve a few processes, um, get things caught up, make sure nothing slips, and help with the recruiting efforts. And I really, really enjoyed that. I remember going there the first couple of times and thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, this team has got to be wondering, why is this lady from the lab coming down, you know, to be our leader? But we formed some immediate connections. Um, I met with the team. I, I said, you know, what if you could fix today? What would you fix? If you just could fix one thing today that would make your job easier. And they were having a challenge at the time with um, efficiently getting their charts from the floors and getting them in the correct order so that they could be scanned electronically and quality controlled. And so we just worked on that. We spent about a month working on that. Um, I just wanted to leave a couple little marks, you know, behind when I left and be able to tell the new director. We cleaned up a few things. This is what the team is concerned about. Um, you know, of course, you're addressing the day-to-day -day sort of staffing issues and things like that. But I really, really enjoyed that experience. And I, I networked and I spent about a month or two with the new director who is, I'm still I have a very close, you know, uh, professional relationship with. We network, we lean on each other, um, and I consider, you know, a friend and a colleague. And maybe a few years after that, I was asked to do a similar role in the project management office. And this was really, you know, simply because I had worked with the project management team on several projects related to the lab. I had good um, connections with them, good relationships with them. And so I was asked if I would sign on to do a three-month um, interim director role for the project management office while they looked for a director. And w when I inherited the department, we had several vacancies. Um, we had lost a little bit of direction over time, and so I spent a lot of time um, filling the vacancies and getting some standardization, improving the communication. And, and one thing I heard from that team was, you know, we don't want to be siloed. We don't want to be given the same kind of projects each time because then we can't grow. So I I sort of made that a, a goal when I oversaw that department to make sure I assigned different projects to people where they might be slightly uncomfortable, but then make sure they had the resources that they needed to do to do that project. And we really had a, just a great time working with each other. Um, that three-month commitment eventually went on to 18 months, at which time I did have to say, because I was starting my own education um, that, okay, we really need to find someone now because I'm, I'm, I'm handling two jobs for this long of time. But it was a great experience for me, and I appreciated the fact that the leaders of the organization saw the skills in me and had the confidence in me that I could take my skills that I, was, um, I had honed through my laboratory experience, like critical thinking, like problem solving, multitasking, and I could apply them to another area where I was not the expert by education. I was not an expert in health information management. I'm not an expert in project management. Um, and I could apply those skills and, and lead those departments well. And so that's really um, the, a, a primary benefit of accepting an opportunity, an additional opportunity, maybe even if it's something that makes you slightly uncomfortable, that might actually tell you this might be a great opportunity. Um, it allows you to potentially have a new career opportunity, but to really increase your network 
And even if you choose to stay in your current role and you love your current role, isn't it great to always have that network across the organization, those folks that are your go-to people when you have a challenge? So I would really say those are two of the biggest benefits is really potentially additional opportunities if that's what you desire, but really that expanded network of colleagues that you can help rely on when you're working through your own challenge. And for our listeners, we, we did a previous episode very only early on in our podcast um, developing about social capital, and everything you said is exactly uh, what we mentioned in that podcast, that your social capital is, you know, as important as your financial capital or any other capital that you can build for yourself because having those connections can take you so far and open up so many other opportunities that you may not even known were possible or were possibilities within your career. And so, mm-hmm. Donna, I just want to congratulate you because you've had such an awesome path. You've been lab manager, lab director, now vice president. You've got certification. You've built teams. Um, now you're getting a law degree and just such so many years of being an advocate for our profession and what we do. And so congratulations to you for everything that you have been able to accomplish over your career. It's really impressive. Well, thank you, Stephanie. And, I appreciate that. And as we wrap up this really interesting conversation, uh, for our listeners, I love to leave our guests with advice, you know, something tangible that they can take away from this podcast, from their time listening to both of us, chat along in in this really wonderful conversation that's been very informative, informative, but something that they can take away and implement in their own professional lives that they can use to, like we said in the beginning, excel inside and outside of the laboratory. So what advice would you have for your listeners? Are there resources that you use, books or podcasts or apps that you would recommend? Absolutely. So I thought a lot about this this question. I think, you know, the advice I would really leave the listeners with is to think about at least one investment that you can make into your career this year. And when I say investment, it doesn't have to necessarily mean money. It may be time. It may be energy. But I would really challenge listeners to make, if possible, one financial investment and one time investment in 2021. And if you think you can't do both, choose the one that means the most to you. Um, I know all of us, when you see the cost of membership, classes, and particularly books, it can seem very daunting to look at that financially, especially if you're early in your career. But I would, I would tell the listeners to consider membership with just one laboratory organization where you can take advantage of their offerings and you will really feel that you made a wise investment, whether that's online continuing education, whether that's a volunteer organization that allows you to travel once a year and work on a committee and network with other folks. Um, I do have a lot of folks that frequently ask me for books, and I'm a book person. I like to hold the book in my hand, a real book, so I understand that. Um, and a lot of folks will ask me for book resources, and we all know that some books are very, very costly. Um, but one of the series that I always recommend are the Harvard Business Review books. They're about a five-by-seven, pocket-sized book, paperback. You can get them on Amazon. I particularly like the Manager's Handbook, um, the Finance Basics for Managers, and the Change Management series, but there are a lot of good ones. There's many, many to choose from. Most of them are around $15. So if you look at them on Amazon and you look at the previews, just choose one. Um, But particularly if you're interested in finance, I think the Finance Basics for Managers is a very, very good um, addition and a great investment 
That information does not change frequently, so that $15 can last you for years in terms of a resource. There's another great one out there um, for only about $7. It's called the Lean Pocket Guide. And if you are in an organization that is talking about lean or talking about Six Sigma or efficiency projects or Kaizen events, um, I found the Lean Pocket Guide to be a great resource. And where can you get a resource that you can use, again, for years for around $7? So I highly recommend those. If you're a book person, you like to have something that you can pull out and reference, and you will get a lot of mileage out of those. Um, but I think investing time is also something that's really, really important and something that I have found particularly enjoyable. Um, I have um, recently, in the last couple of years, been on an examination committee for the ASCP. I did not know what to expect. You know, it was something that I researched. I was asked to join. I very, you know, um, clearly up front, I wanted to know the time commitment. I wanted to make sure it was something I could do in my schedule. And I've, I've just so enjoyed the two years, um, the experiences I've gotten when I've gotten together with that group of six or seven of us from across the country and worked on those questions and resources and references. That's been a great experience. So consider a volunteer assignment um, or rounding with a team in your area. There are things that you can do locally. There are things that you can do when we're all traveling again that might allow you to go to a new city or state. Um, but I would say that you know, these are financial and time investments that can pay you back over and over and over again in having that resource and having that connection within your network. And really something very simple is take a moment and share this podcast with other laboratory professionals. Share all of the eLaborate series of podcasts. There's multiple topics. There's something that would interest everyone. Maybe you might come up with a topic of your own and you might be interested in, in, in uh, researching that and taping one of these. These are all free things that just take a little bit of time to help educate and expand our visibility in the laboratory profession. Thank you, Donna. And why don't you tell our listeners how they can reach out to you? I'm sure people after listening to this will want to reach out to you for more questions or more information or just to maybe even get mentoring from you. So how can people reach out to you? Sure. Um, I would love to hear from anyone with questions or comments. Um, I can be reached via email. That's probably the easiest way. I check my email on a regular basis, and I will get back to everyone within a few days. My email is d-m-a-r-q-u-e-s at lifebridgehealth.org. Thank you for asking. I look forward to hearing people's feedback. Well, and thank you, and thank you to our listening audience for uh, joining us in today's show with our special guest, Ms. Donna Marquez, and, share, and her sharing all of her tidbits of information about how to increase your professional visibility. Thank you for being my guest today. This was awesome. There was so much information. I'm going to go back and listen to this a couple of times just to make sure I can get, grasp everything because there's so much information in here I think that will help propel everybody forward in this new year where uh, we all want to continue to better ourselves. So thank you for being thank my guest so today. Much. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I really enjoyed it, and I hope that I left the listeners with just a piece of advice that they can take forward to increase their own professional visibility. 
For our listeners, if you like what you heard today and you want to listen to some of our previous shows, like Donna said, or even share some of our previous shows, please subscribe at directimpactbroadcasting.com. That's where you can find all of our shows and go back and listen to them over again, share them with your friends, or you know, even send us a note if you'd like to be a part of our podcast. Uh, if you've got topics that you'd like us to cover, please send us an email. Our email is elaboratetopics at directimpactbroadcasting.com. Like I said, my name is Stephanie Whitehead, so follow me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, really any of the social medias. My handle is the same. It's Stephanie Whitehead. Be sure to tune in next week to hear another amazing episode of Elaborate Topics Podcast, and until then, have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Elaborate Topics where your hosts discussed relevant strategies for laboratory professionals. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and listen to us on directimpactbroadcasting.com. Stay tuned for another episode with information you can use to excel in your laboratory career.